0: God designed marriage not for him to be in the fringe or off to the side. He designed it for him to be at the center between this woman and between this man. But unfortunately what happens is we, 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 we get into a situation where we plan for the wedding and we don't plan for the marriage. We plan for the wedding day and the singers who are going to come and I'm going to have mama wear this dress and and, and, and I'm going to have my boys look like this and and I'm going to do all these kind of things. And and, and we're going to stand like this or we might rock in and come down the aisle a certain kind of way. We do all these things and we pick the church that we want to be in and hopefully it's the church that you're part of and we say, God, we want you here at the beginning of our marriage and then once we say I do, we go away and we disregard God his concepts, we disregard his advice and how we are to operate in this new function as a husband or as a wife. I choose to wake up and love my wife. I choose to wake up and love my husband. In marriage is a choice. When I don't feel like it, I choose to. When my emotions say something different, like I'm right, they need to get over it. I choose to love you through forgiveness. I choose to love you through patience. I choose to love you by not being rude. I choose to love you. What we're saying is I choose to let selfishness die. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. Over the last couple of days, we've we've been running ads about this new series that we're going to begin this morning in regards to the relationship of marriage. The relationship of marriage, true love, the relationship of marriage. I have been studying for the last couple of weeks in regards to this particular new series that we're going to get into As the Lord had been impressing upon my heart that we need to deal with this area of marriage. 2020 has presented a major shakeup in the norms and ebb and flows of our lives. There are so many of us that are actually spending more time at home than maybe we did in 2019. In 2019, it might have been a situation. I know in my house, you know, in 2019, you know, my oldest daughter went off to school one way. And then I would drop off my youngest daughter at daycare this way. My wife, she would go over to work her way. And then I would go off to work my way. And all of us all of us, would be away from the house for any given uh, length of time just doing our own thing. And then we'd come back together. And in the evenings, we would do things as much as we could, given our schedules and given everything we have going on. But 2020 has had a shakeup because... Some of the things that we used to do, maybe at the office, now we do at the house. School and and the scheduling for school has dramatically changed that a lot of our kids may not be in the classroom. They may be at the house. Some of us might not have our children at daycare. Some of them might be at the house most of the day. Our schedules and the ebb and flow of of life has changed dramatically because of COVID-19. And one of the things that has done is forced us to reevaluate where we are in our families, where we are in our relationships with our husband and in with our wives. Unfortunately, it is the situation that we are seeing uh, statistically that domestic violence is on the rise. They said domestic violence is on the rise in 2020 because of COVID 19 because of the fact. There was a time where people would be able to get away from the house, and now, unfortunately, they're at the house, and if they're in an abusive situation, it's only amplified by the fact that everybody is in the house more than they used to be. Now, make no mistake, abuse in any sense is always wrong. It is abnormal use of what God has, in fact, given you. Now, so my assignment the thing that God dropped in my heart to do, to minister and begin teaching, uh, is a series on regarding the relationship of marriage. Now, in the relationship of marriage, we're going to look at it from the perspective of pre-marriage and also how to function inside of marriage. So our goal, indeed, for this series is to discover the definition of marriage located from a biblical perspective over opinion and conjecture and or conjecture it is our goal in this series to give you scripture and to give you God's perspective on marriage and how to operate and how to function in your relationship of marriage we're also going to look at the reasons why i believe God wants us to be married and then we're also going to glean God's perspective for the 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 function of how to operate inside of your marriage, looking at various aspects of communication. Because it doesn't matter whether or not you've been married one month, or you've been married 28 years. Communication is always going to be key for a successful marriage. Growing together and learning how to communicate with each other is an ongoing process. Because the way you might have communicated in year one might be uniquely different than the way you communicate in year 15, because you're different people. You've had different experiences. And the key to marriage is growing in his grace together. Now, having said all of that, I want to begin, I got to set this foundation. So we're going to set a hard foundation uh, over the next two to three weeks on the basis of what love is, based on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is is, is something that we talk about at weddings. It is something that we go over, maybe in premarital counseling, but it's something that I think bears us looking at it intensely. And that's what we're going to do over the next two weeks. But this morning, we're going to begin here. Let me first begin by... Setting this foundation and, and setting our course in this series. Let me first begin by saying that my presupposition of this series is vitally important that you understand this. This is a Christian marriage session. Our perspective is a Christian marriage perspective, that does not apply to everyone. Now, everyone uh, listening, you might have a propensity for going to church, but that doesn't mean that you are a Christian. You might be a religious person and do good thi- goody, goody things, or good religious works. But if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, then these areas that we're referring to may not apply to you. Largely, when we look inside the New Testament, it, it has a distinction because overall, Paul Peter, James, and a number of the other writers are writing to individual churches. But the overall thing that we have to get hold of is they're writing to the body of believers. So when he talks about submitting yourself, Paul talks about in Ephesians, submitting yourselves, wives, submit to ye to your husbands, husbands, submit ye unto Christ. He's talking once again in regards to those have, that have declared that Jesus is Lord of my life. He's talking in regards to two people, two individuals that have decided that Jesus is Lord, which means he's master and he determines their actions. So my presupposition for this series, we got to understand, is that the Bible is divinely inspired revelation. The Bible is divinely inspired revelation. What does that mean? God's supernatural book. God's written revelation to his people. And that's the reason why I wanted to make sure that's clear and up front. So that when we are talking and regarding certain roles, certain things, we are specifically talking to those that are in the body of Christ. We believe also that the Bible is authoritative and true, which means it is the divine revelation through which God speaks. It is authoritative and true. We don't have arguments with what the Word of God says. Now, there's a lot of situations where we've had misunderstandings and misinterpretations of what is being written, and we're going to do our best to dispel some of those things in this series as well. There are areas where there are shades of gray, if you will, but there are areas that are clear as day black and white. We believe that the Bible is a supernatural or a spiritual document, which means that the Bible has the power to change the reader spiritually. That the Bible has the the power to change the reader spiritually. So understanding this, understanding the Bible's perspective then is important for a, a life reflectant of his will and empowered to impact positive change within our immediate and extended family, thus influencing our communities at large. Your marriage is an individual thing between you and your wife, but God wants to use your marriage to be a ministry to other people. Whether you realize it or not, it already is, whether that's good or bad. Now, let me dispel one thing from the beginning. No marriage is perfect. The preacher that's ministering to you right now doesn't have a perfect marriage. It is never a situation where you're going to feel like you have arrived. Because I have seen with my own eyes. See, this is something that kind of gets me as well. Let's just go ahead and start. You know, If you got two people together, you're going to have some friction from time to time. You're going to have some areas by which, you know, she has one perspective, you have another. There's going to be some fussing from time to time. And I think it's important for us to begin to know that from the beginning. That even those like myself that are assigned to minister on marriage, we do so by learning also as God begins revealing certain things to us it doesn't mean that I'm coming down from off the mountain to tell you things because I've arrived to a level of perfection in my marriage. Now, there are certain things that are working in our marriage as we've been married 17 years, and there's some other areas that we're learning. I remember uh, uh, being and meeting with a couple, uh, couple years ago. I think they said to me they had been married 65 years. And I was there for work purposes and everything, but man, I just enjoyed listening to their testimony because they got married at such a young age. He went off to the war. She stayed home. And they were sitting there. They'd been through the different things of life. they have been, they raised their kids together. And then the kids were coming back, taking care of them to some degree, but they still were living in their own home. And one of the things when I asked them, how long have y'all been married? They said 65 years. And there was a smile that just came across their face because they were still in love with each other. See, now the devil wants to tell you that marriage can't work. He wants to tell you that there is no purpose in marriage. It's just a piece of paper but nothing can be further from the truth. When you do marriage God's way, it makes you better. When you get God's perspective of marriage, you begin to appreciate marriage, and you begin to go into marriage with the proper perspective and reverential awe for the thing, this institution that God has given us. So let me start here with these 12 initial. Areas that we got to understand as we begin this series. These 12 areas that we need to understand. The first thing is, is that marriage is God's idea and not man's idea. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 says, and the Lord God said, who said? The Lord God said, this is out of the King James version of the Bible. It is not good that man should be alone. Or all one. God said, It's not good. We don't see where Adam said, you know, Lord, I'm looking around and I see giraffes, see, they got a mate, monkeys have a mate, zebras have a mate, and I there's nothing for me. we don't see that. God says, It's not good that man, Adam, be all one. Because he said, I made him To be in my image and in my likeness, which means I'm Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And he's spirit, soul, and body. And prior to Eve, he was all one. Which is the first point we've got to understand as well. That when you get married, you do not get married half. I met my other half. That's not how this works. Adam was whole in himself before Eve. He said it's not good that he should be all one, which means that he was whole. He was complete by himself. And you should, that's exactly how you should get married. You're already whole in and of yourself. Just you and God. And he says it's not good though. He says it's not good that he be all one. He said I will make him a and help meet for him. So let's back up. So God said, he said, it's not good, this is not good, which means that this was God's idea. It wasn't Adam's idea. It's what's God's idea. Marriage is God's idea. It's his concept, it's his construct. It's His design. It's his determination that man is not good just being all one. Now, that being said, we've got to understand that he's the one that determines what marriage is because the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. That word God literally means Elohim. The word Elohim means ruler. It means judge. It means supreme. It says, in the beginning, Elohim created. The heavens and the earth and the earth was out form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light, which means that God is the one that sets the order of life itself. Everything that you see was set in motion by Elohim, God, creator, king and supreme. The only reason why you know what a tree is is because God created it. It came out of his heart. The only reason why you know what a grape is or what a fruit is, what a river is, what a mountain is, is because God created it. He set the atmosphere in order. He set the solar system in order. And he declares the God of the universe, the God of all, says, it's not good that man be all one, so I'll create a helpmate for him. And he defines what that helpmate is, and he says it's a woman or a one with the womb. He defined what marriage is, not themselves. In fact, Genesis chapter 3 shows us that when man decides to redefine things based on their image instead of God's, that's when we get into the fall of man. All righty. So failure, I can say it like this as well, is always the result of man separating themselves from God's design. Failure is always the result of man separating himself from God's original design. Now watch this. So if God is the one that creates the idea and the concept of marriage, he never designs anything for failure. He never designs anything to fail. But now with this man, this Adam, and this as the I translate this, ish, ish, one with the womb. This Adam, the man with the womb. They have something that's unique. Free will. The ability to choose and chart their course. Which is something that God gives them. So with that, then we have the ability or they have the capability to have failure. Failure then is always a result of man disregarding God. The reason why we are in the original sin, the reason why we are have this mess in the world is because they disregarded God's law. So number two, the marriage relationship is designed for God, watch this, to be at the center. It's God's concept And God, when he gave this man, this woman, when he brought them together, his original intent was never for them to be apart from him. And so them not being apart from him already guaranteed success. The issues that they had in life begin the moment they decide to separate from God's order, to separate from God's word. Marriage is a relationship designed for God to be at the center, not at the fringe. See, this is the thing. Um, when I'm doing premarital counseling, I always begin with the couple to, and I ask the question, where is your relationship with God? Where is your relationship with God? I don't want to do premarital counseling if you don't understand That God is the one that created this thing that you desire. And if you don't understand that because you don't have a vertical relationship with God, we got to fix that because you're trying to move into this thing, this, this, this function that is from him that you don't know. God designed marriage not for him to be in the fringe or off to the side. He designed it for him to be at the center between this woman and between this man. But unfortunately, what happens is we, 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 we get into a situation where we plan for the wedding and we don't plan for the marriage. We plan for the wedding day and the singers who are gonna come and, and gonna have mama wear this dress and and, and, and I'm gonna have my boys look like this and, and I'm gonna do all these kind of things. And I'm gonna and, and we're gonna stand like this or we might rock in and come down the aisle a certain kind of way. We do all these things and we pick the church that we want to be in, and hopefully it's the church that you're part of, and we say, God, we want you here at the beginning of our marriage, and then once we say I do, we go away and we disregard God. His concepts, we disregard his advice and how we are to operate in this new function as a husband or as a wife. And then, consequently, what begins to happen is is when when we begin to get in the areas of mess and and the and the fires are starting to show up, or the car begins to break down. Then we start to come over to the church and try to figure out, Lord, now how how now now what now what am I supposed to do, Lord, what, What's going? On? And that's not how He designed it. Your marriage is never supposed to just be you and him. It's supposed to be. You, God, and her. Her, God, and you, or him. Let's look at that. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12 says, we'll look at this a little bit more thoroughly as weeks unfold. At the King James, and if one prevails against him, the two, two shall withstand him. And a threefold core... Is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly, or another translation says, easily broken. God is to be at the center of your marital relationship. I don't even I don't even do weddings, honestly, unless we got that straight. Because I'm a Christian minister. And so When I'm ministering on marriage, I always tell people I'm coming from the perspective that this is something that God has instituted. And since God has instituted, he wants to be involved in every area of your marriage. And if you don't have that same belief, if you don't have that same presupposition, if you don't have that same perspective, go find a minister that you can have agreement with because I'm not the one. Because I know that when we stand at this altar and I say, do you take this man? Do you take this woman? You got to know that you know that you know that you know that God is in the center of this relationship. Because it don't take but a half an hour after you said I do before the devil starts beginning to work on you to work on him. It might be through a situation in your family that there's an argument that begins to take place at the reception that you need God. A circumstance that begins to change. Life hitting you with different issues. Jesus says in this life you will have tribulation. It's not if. And so therefore you need God in your life. But especially dear God in your marriage. Third thing. Better hurry up here. Marriage thus is intended (coughs) Thus it's intended for a man and a woman to be in submission to God first. Again, I told you we're talking about this in or from the perspective of Christian marriage. So that I come into the marriage with an established relationship with God. An established relationship with God, Um, which means this doesn't mean that I'm, 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 I'm the most spiritually mature person on the planet. That's not necessarily it. What it means is I at least come in with the perspective that God's first. She comes into the marriage with the perspective God's first, because when God speaks, then we are both submitted to what he says. Now, watch this. Ephesians chapter five and verse twenty-one. It says, "Submitting yourself one to another." Now, so for some of my <clears throat> some of my preacher buddies, they say, "Well, look, well, well, Reverend, you know, he doesn't even begin to talk about." wives submitting yourself to your husband husband submitting yourself as unto Christ until verse 22, 23, 24, and 25 and, and one of the things as I began studying is I said Lord so what's going on? He said well back up a little bit he says look at verse 2 he says and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. The context that he's referring to is how we are to walk and that that's why he goes on and talks about walking circumspectly. That we understand the times we in. That we are supposed to be walking in love. One of the things, child of God, we've got to understand is when you get married, that that is your sister in the Lord. That's your brother in the Lord. So when we are, if we're supposed to love the outside folks that are not our. Married or our spouse, how much so we're supposed to operate where our spouse is concerned to walk in love. That we're submitting ourselves to one another, that we're coming in submission to God in the fear of the Lord. Submission to one another in the fear of the Lord. And then Paul begins to talk about wives submitting and then husbands submitting and begins to defining out even further. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now watch this over in uh, John chapter 14 out of the classic amplified version of the Bible. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you really love me. You will keep obey my commands. He said, if you really love me. And the word command there literally is the word precept and prescription. If you look it up, it's translated precept and prescription. He says, if you really love me, he says, then you will keep my precepts and my prescriptions. There I say my precepts and prescriptions for life. Sounds very similar to submitting yourself one to another in the reverential or the fear of the Lord. Verse 16 says, watch this now. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. The word there is counselor. The word in Greek is the word paraklete, which is counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, and he will remain with you forever. So if we were to look at that and make it personal, He says, if you really love me, keep and obey my precepts and my prescriptions for life. And he says, I'll give you someone that's going to be on the inside of you, that's going to help you keep my prescriptions and my my, my precepts for your life. He says, the Holy Ghost is my counselor. The Holy Ghost is my intercessor. He's my strengthener. He's my helper. He's my advocate. He's my standby. He's my standby Now, John 14 and verse 17 says the spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept. This is the NIV. I'm sorry. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be watch this in you. The day you got born again, the Holy Spirit is not just with you. He's in you. And so when you enter into this covenant of marriage, you bring with you this relationship that you have with God. That now when I have an issue in my marriage, he is my counselor. He is my helper. He is my strengthener. He is my standby. He is my unseen help to get me through and navigate through these issues that arise in life that impact my marriage. Now, notice, though, John 16 and verse 13. John 16, verse 13, and continuing in the NIV, and it says, And when the he the spirit of truth, comes. Now, Jesus died on the cross, went back, sat on the right hand of the Father. The Holy Ghost is here. Acts chapter 2 tells us that, that it explains when the Holy Spirit came. He is here. So the spirit of truth has come. He says, watch this, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, most of the time, we think of that in terms of of spiritual, over spiritual life. Yes, amen. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, that also may mean, watch this, the truth that you don't want to see. That the counselor, the Holy Ghost, will show you, husband, you need to fix this area with your wife. The counselor, the Holy Ghost wife, will tell you, you need to fix this issue with your husband. Don't go to sleep mad with that. Don't go to sleep in disagreement about that. He's counseling you back towards each other on how you are to be married. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be your advocate. I'll be your intercessor. I'll be your standby, which means I'll always be present because you brought me into this relationship. And when that happens, I will show you things, some things you won't see, and some things you that I'm going to show you about yourself that you don't really care for. He'll say, darling, your attitude stinks, and that's the reason why your husband stays away all the time. Man, the reason why your wife has picked up weight is because you've not, you've not said anything nice to her for the last six years. You've been spending so much time looking up the street that you haven't paid any attention to what's going on in your own house. He'll, the spirit of truth will show you you. He'll show you you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9, uh, the classic Amplified again says, Moreover, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we yielded to them and respected them, watch this, for training us. He goes on, he says, shall we not much more cheerfully submit to the Father's spirits and live, truly live, live, and, and so truly live? He goes on to say in verse 11 Now the regular Amplified, he says, For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields, watch this, the peaceful fruit of righteousness, which is what? Right standing with God. Watch this, though. And a lifestyle and attitude that exceeds conformity to God's will and purpose. You bring God into your relationship because God is the one, ultimately, that is going to help you make this work. He's the one that's going to help you and her, her and you stay together. This is the reason why, again, you need him. It's his idea. It's his concept and he's the one if you allow him that will allow that will bring you back to each other which brings me to number 4 god will only help you to the degree you allow and receive his aid to the degree that you allow and receive his aid to the degree you allow And receive his aid. Now, he said he was the spirit of truth. He said he's the counselor. He said he's the help and the standby. But you got to receive it. One of the areas where you hit the wall is that God is showing you something about you. And then pride comes up to defend your position instead of you submitting to what God said. God said, "Now, now this is what's going on with you." And you said, "But Lord, Lord, don't. What what about her? <laughs> what about him? Don't he need to?" God said, "I'm dealing with him, but right now we're going to talk about you." What's going on with you? God dropped this in my spirit. <laughs> yeah. Follow me with this. <laughs> I'm going to say it like he gave it to me. Everybody knows about the story of Cinderella. Cinderella grows up in a house. Her father died, and she's left with her two stepsisters and her stepmom. And she's living a life by which there is obvious abuse taking place in the house because they're making her basically become a servant. And one night she goes from being a servant to she's dressed to go to a ball. And she meets her mate. And so from that meeting point, from her her being dressed to go to this ball, to her meeting her mate, let's say it's about a week to a month. Inside of a month or a week, her life completely changes externally. Externally. She goes from being an abused stepchild to becoming a princess literally what seemingly happens overnight. And then by all accounts, we end the story, and that's it. Whether it's a Disney version or another version, that's usually where they run the credits in the end. But the reality of that story is that now that Cinderella is in the palace, she still has brought the issues of abuse that she had under her father's Death, the fact that she now has daddy issues because she lost her daddy at a young age. She's got issues because she was raised as a a servant when she was really a queen in that house. She has issues with her siblings. She's had issues with her stepmother that she's now got to psychologically overcome. Even though overnight she's become the princess of the nation. See, we bring different things into our marriage from our past we bring areas and and preconceived notions into our marriage we bring relationships into our marriage that may have been good may have been bad we bring sexual things into our relationships and all of these things have got to be worked out And sometimes what happens is you bring this mess into your husband, you bring this stuff into your wife, and you put on them things and issues and areas that you've not dealt with in your own personal life yet. Can you overcome? Can you come through it? Yes, you can. But it's going to take God's The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for those that are allowing this to amplify, allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You are as close to God as you want to be. It's his design. If you invite him into your marriage, you got to receive his counsel, his direction, his moving and fixing and even his healing of the areas of your emotion that you've been covering up for years. And one of the methods I'm telling you that God wants to heal that area in your life is through your spouse, but you got to release yourself first to God for him to be able to, to heal, to help in the healing process or her to be able to help in that healing process. Now watch this. Five. I cannot change my spouse. I cannot change my spouse. I let me say this. I cannot change my spouse. So many women get married thinking that they can change a man. You can't change your man, brother. You can't change your. I. Cannot change my spouse. Your spouse has a free will, which means they're free more age, a, uh, free more agent. They have the ability to choose. Now notice this though: forcing someone to change against their will is called manipulation and abuse, or abnormal use. I cannot change my spouse. Now, people use the term, I can love them into their change, and that's true, which means I can love them, and, and it's a motivating force that makes them want to change, but they still got to choose to change. Number six, watch this. I can only change, therefore, myself. I can't change my spouse. I can only change myself. I'm only, I have responsibility, therefore, of changing myself. Of changing myself. I can't change my wife. I can change myself. This is the reason why Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I have amplified. I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies. Notice he doesn't say present your spouse because you can't do that. Present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. You do that. You can't do that for somebody else, including your spouse. I can't change her, but I can change me. Number seven, I can't change how, uh, how she or he treats me, but I can't change how I respond to them. God hasn't given me the ability to change my spouse, but I can change what I can change, which is me. I can change my response. This is the reason why I watch this as I speed up just a little bit. James chapter 1 and verse 19, I amplify, says, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be, watch this here, quick to hear. And it defines it, be a careful and thoughtful listener. Quick to hear slow to speak, and it defines that, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and then slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. You know, sometimes in your house, your spouse might have had a day from, it felt like the day from hell, and they come into the house, and they're just barking, and they're having issues. You know, if you respond Quickly, you'll miss what the root of the issue is, and this is where you're gonna need the spirit of God because sometimes God will say, You see that, but slow up, slow up, don't respond to that, respond to the root, and I'll show you the root. See, this is where this is where we've been talking about it, it requires you to get out of carnal thinking and to get into spiritual thinking in your marriage. That God will show you something sometimes with what your spouse is going through. That you begin to pray for them in the middle of the day because he hits you in your spirit that there's something going on. He says, pray now. Pray right now. This is where you need him. There's something that's going on. Pray right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Wherever y'all, get, pray for it right now. And see, the thing is, you may have fruit of things that are showing up in your house, but God says, I want to show you how to get down to the root. But it once again, it requires you getting with me, and I'll show you how to respond. Don't always respond quickly, because your flesh might be screaming, then what are you doing? Baby, you need to do that, and then you get into this wonderful argument where one of you needs to be able to slow up and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I might feel like doing this, but let me slow it because my peace is disturbed in my house. And I might not need to respond right now. Let me watch this. Be quick to hear. Let me hear her heart. Let me hear his heart. What's going on? Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me be slow to respond to what I hear. Let me hear so I can hear what's going on. What's the rhythms of what's going on on the inside of my spouse before I respond. So I can be patient, reflective, and forgiving. That I can forgive them for saying things out of order because I hear that they had something that happened that impacted them. I'm patient. We'll get into that when we get into 1 Corinthians. Let me speed up again. Number eight, you are designed to change. (laughs) You are designed to change. You are designed to change. God said, it's not good that man should be all one or alone. My spouse is and should be a part of this change. I was designed to change. Everything about you changes. Literally from day to day, you are getting older. Every second, every hour, every minute that passes, you are changing. And so number nine, therefore, marriage is also about, therefore, managing change in the correct or concert or partnership with your spouse. I used to wonder, why is it that people can be married 30 and 40 years and then get a divorce? It's because it wasn't that they got the divorce at at 40 years. It's that the change began to happen at 30 years and they didn't navigate the change. Or they begin to have children and they didn't navigate the change. They thought that if we just put all of our effort into our children and neglect our our spouse, then everything will come back together once our children were gone. And then once the children are gone or they go off to college, I'm staring at this stranger because we did not navigate the change when we had children to navigate the fact that we still got to be Harry and Jenny. (laughs) I got got this toddler that's running around my house that's taking up a lot of my time, but I got to set parameters where I get them out of my bed. I got to set up parameters by which we get maybe a daycare uh, person or we get an extended family member to come over so that we can have a date night or have something that reconnects us because I've got to manage this change to make sure we come back together. And the counselor on the inside of you will be telling you to do this. He'll be telling you, baby, you spending, you're putting too much in your baby. And I know for a mama, that sounds weird. You're putting too much in your baby, but he'll say you're putting too much in your baby and you're not paying attention to your big baby. Now, at that point, you got a decision. You're going to say, yes, Lord, I agree. Let me see if I can fix it. Or you're going to say, man, Harold will be okay. <laughs> the counselor is counseling question is, are you going to respond? Or or, or God will say, Harold, you've been spending too much time at work, or you've been spending too much time with the fellas. I need you to start navigating some time with your wife. She has a need. She has a need. And you say, no, I ain't got time for that. I'm busy. Man, we're trying to build this house. We're trying to build this and do this. We didn't manage the change. Number 10, and watch this. Your relationship begins, watch this, with emotional love. However, your marriage must have a foundation that transcends emotional love. Oh, yes, amen. Got this wonderful notion, man, we just fell out of love. It's because, see, listen, you got to get to the point, listen, where your love in your marriage transcends the feeling of love. The feeling of love, yes, is one of the things that brought you together. Absolutely. Man, dear God, when I first fell in love with my wife, boy, I was skipping around the halls. Dear God. (laughs) Up and down Shaw University, just in love, 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 love. But then we got married. And we begin to have our first issues out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was staring at my wife and I was saying, I love you, but that don't feel the same emotion at the second <laughs> when we're in the, meet, in the midst of an argument. Your love's got to transcend the emotion. Now watch this. Number 11, emotional love is a feeling. I feel like I'm in love. And it's wonderful. But your love within marriage, watch this, is a choice. Your love within marriage is a choice. Again, this is what's separating the secular from the Christian. Those that are united with God, letting God be the counselor, versus those that are counseling themselves. Those that are allowing God to show you the truth about you to fix the areas in your marriage versus you being left with your own thoughts, your own opinions of your own righteousness or rightness. I choose to wake up and love my wife. I choose to wake up and love my husband. In marriage is a choice. When I don't feel like it, I choose to. When my emotions say something different, like I'm right, they need to get over it. I choose to love you through forgiveness. I choose to love you through patience. I choose to love you by not being rude. I choose to love you. What we're saying is I choose to let selfishness die. And put your needs ahead of mine. The choice of love is the act of the will to decide, to maintain, and preserve our love. What does it mean? To decide means I will love you. I will love you. I will, let me say it like this, fight for my marriage. I'm not going to let the devil take my marriage. I'm not going to let the devil take my man. I'm not going to let the devil take my children. I'm going to fight for my marriage. It means I, watch this, I will, to maintain means I will support. I will keep my marriage. I see it as something that I must do with God's help. It means I will preserve, which means safeguard my marriage. Number 12, watch this. Maintaining emotional love or the feeling of love within marriage is a direct result of cultivating work to keep the fires actively burning. Yes, you should feel the feelings of emotional love. But within the context of marriage, that comes about because you have fought for your marriage, to maintain your marriage, to preserve your marriage. You put in the work. Before marriage, it's because y'all come together and you, want, you have this wonderful feeling that I want to commit myself to this person. After marriage, When the feelings are gone and and the song is over and the wedding and everything is over, I now, as an act of my will, choose to love my wife and choose to cultivate my wife, choose to preserve this marriage, and all of the feelings, all of the emotions, everything comes back because God will help me keep the burning. I'm going to close here really quickly. I'm going to try my best to speed this up. Five basic commitments. This is on our website. Five basic commitments that we need to understand about marriage. Number one, I'm committing to the work of marriage. When you stand before the altar and you say, yes, I do take this person to be my fill in the blank, my wife, my husband. That means I am committing to do the work of marriage. And marriage is work. (coughs) There is no successful marriage. That is or has has ever been that didn't have work attached to it. What is work? That means I got to put in time with my wife. I got to put in attention with 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 my husband. To focus in on the concern. To manage the changes of life. To manage the things that are taking place. He said I'll give you a help me. Which means I'll bring to you somebody to stand shoulder to shoulder with you. As you go through life, number two, let me speed up. I'm committing to change. The moment when I stand up and I say, I do, I'm committing. That, that means I'm changing. I today I'm changing your name's getting ready to change. You go from man, you go from just being single person to husband that now I have responsibility to bind my house together. I have responsibility and accountability before God for this family. As a Christian woman, I'm submitting to him as he submits to Christ. Which means the day I get born, I mean, the day I get married is the day I am not just changing physical. I'm changing spiritually. Everything about me is changing. And unfortunately, a lot of people get married and they don't change. One of the things I look for when I'm doing premarital counseling is I look for the mentality. Do I see the shift beginning to take place? That's why a lot of times anybody's at premarital counseling with me, they'll notice that the first couple of times we meet, I don't do a lot of talking because I want to hear. Do I hear the mentality of a husband coming forth? Do I hear the mentality of a wife? Notice he that findeth a wife findeth for good things, which means she needs to be a wife before you find her. Let me hurry up. Number three, I'm committing to compromise. I'm forsaking my will. <clears throat> I'm forsake. I'm willing to forsake my will and my way. When I stand up there and I say I do, it says I am committing to compromise. She might want to eat at this place. I want to eat there. Y'all got to find the middle ground. She like Burger King. You like Chick-fil-A. Y'all got to figure out something, dear God. You got to figure out something compromise. Sometimes you ain't gonna get your way. In my house, we eat a lot of chicken, because my wife likes chicken. Sometimes I like to have some beef and steak. Guess what? We gotta have a compromise. <laughs> the moment you said I do, you're saying, I am committing to compromise. Number four, I'm committing, watch this to cleave. I'm committing to cleave. For this cause that they show cleave and become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh. What does that mean in this practical sense that I want to use it right now? That means I keep my business at my house. You know, you ought not be telling mama and daddy and them and sister and them everything that goes on in your house. You ought not be bad-mouthing your spouse to your extended family. One of the reasons why you shouldn't do that is because when you and Harold get it back together, they ain't forgot what you said about Harold. You said Jennifer had this, she was doing this, she had this kind of issue. And now y'all done fell back, y'all, y'all back together, going to work the situation out. Next time you up for Thanksgiving, they stay in that Jennifer, all kind of funny because they ain't forgot what you said on the phone. You know, my heart should feel safe at home. That my secrets, the areas that are on the inside of me, should be safe with my wife that my wife's heart should be safe with me. There's some stuff don't need to get out your house. And dear God, let me say this because this is in my spirit. You need to stop telling folks, especially that are against marriage or have a bad or wrong opinion about marriage, about your marriage. Everybody is not a positive influence on your marriage. And that, and that could even be people that are married. That they've gotten into an area of bitterness or they got into an area and by which their marriage ain't working and they think everybody else's marriage is just as sour as theirs. And so they want somebody to join in their misery. Man, dear God, stay away from some folks like that. Now, sometimes you just get to get around folks that have a positive marriage that have a positive influence on you. Every marriage is not falling apart. Every marriage is not falling in the toilet. Every, fire, every marriage is not on fire. Let me keep going. <coughs> we get into that too number five I'm committing to foster a continuous healthy atmosphere and environment for my spouse notice I said for my spouse what does that mean an atmosphere which is the climate that when I come in my house there's a climate of peace there's a climate of love there's a climate of, of this 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 a positivity. As opposed to a time, a climate of toxicity. I've known men that didn't want to go home. They would spend so much time at work. We might get off early and they would spend another three, four hours over doing something else because they didn't want to go home. Because they knew as soon as they walk in the door, it's just going to be a toxic atmosphere. I'm responsible to make sure that the climate in my house is one that is inviting for my spouse to come to, which also means, watch this, an environment is a place that feels like home. I'm committing myself to that. The day you stand up and you say, Lord, I believe that you brought me to this person. I believe this is my spouse, and I take them to death to us part. That means I'm committed, really, when I boil it all down. This is how see, this is how I do premarital counseling as well. When you boil it all down, all the books you may read, everything, all the different ones, because I've read a lot of different ones over the years, when you boil it right down to it, is that when I say I do, that means I am committing that my selfishness is going to die today. I'm going to crucify that. I'm going from this day forward to put the needs of my spouse over my own. And as she does the same for me, the needs of the house are met. I said this one time years ago at a a, uh, wedding. I said, and it just came out of my heart. (laughs) I didn't plan to say it, but I said, I looked at them and I said, at the same time that I'm doing this wedding, I'm also doing a funeral. A funeral for selfishness. Because today, at this I do, you say, I do take her, I take him, and I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to consider her first. I'm going to consider him first. Is it work? Yep. Is it going to take time? Yep. Are you going to need God? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. where you are I want you to consider this how important has God been in your relationship really how important has God been in your relationship is he a factor at all when you get this on the inside of you need to go down there and apologize do you override that? When he tells you, man, you need to cut that computer off. Do you do it? When he tells you, sweetie, you you need to you you need to figure out what you need to so you can stop having headaches all the time because he needs to be with you. Do you listen? Where is God? The Bible says three-fold cord is not quickly or easily broken. But you got to receive Him. You got to receive His counsel. You got to receive His aid. And let me say this as well. And for the believers that are listening to me that are out playing church or playing house, God is not pleased with that. One of the things I've discovered is a lot of times women will tolerate playing house because they don't—they are operating in fear whether or not if they make a requirement for the man to marry them will they really leave? That's no way to live. One of the beauties of marriage is security. Then my wife knows I'm coming home at night. I know she's coming home at night. My wife knows I ain't been nowhere uptown around the corner in the booth in the back of the corner somewhere else. Security. And I listen, this is something that you got to do in of yourself. To use or to use the counsel. He's willing to help you because marriage is his institution. It's his design. It's his determination of something that you need. And so if you allow God, God will help you stay married. God will help you stay in love. God will help you manage and navigate the challenges and the changes of life. But you've got to allow God to do that. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, I give you praise for everyone that's assigned to hear this message. God, I lift up every marriage under the sound of my voice. Lord, as they make a determination to repent from areas of pride and to receive you as their counselor, to receive the truth that you've been trying to minister to them. Lord, I pray that you will cause supernatural healing in their heart. Supernatural healing in their marriage, God, as they choose to listen to your voice. And I give you praise for it even now. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, praise God. There is a lot, 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 lot more that we want to share with you in regards to this marriage series. So I pray that you join me. Next week, either if we're not available on next week, it'll be the week after. Next week, I have the opportunity and the distinct privilege to minister uh, uh, up the street at one of my, my one of our mentors and our brothers' church, Pastor Christian Chachio's Life of Faith Church. He's a great man of God, and he's asked me to come and, and, and if you will, minister because he has to to go out of town. So it's a, it's a blessing of God to be able to be with our family over there at Life of Faith on next week. And if you're in the area, we will be practicing social distance and, and all of these precautions and things as well. But if you're available and you're in the area, meet us on next Sunday. Uh, September the 6th at Life of Faith here in Gastonia, North Carolina, where I'll be ministering live on that particular Sunday. But after that, we will continue for sure in our marriage series. I'm not saying that there won't be a video available next week, but just any event that one is not available for next Sunday, we will continue on this subject of marriage until the Lord moves us into something else. There are a lot of things that we just kind of got into tonight this morning, but there are some more things that we want to look at. There's some things that we really want to explore as far as what the Word says as opposed to how you've been acting. (laughs) And allow the Holy Spirit to correct our actions by correcting our hearts. Amen. Now, it's giving time. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you feel the Spirit of God is leading you to sow into this ministry, on the screen you'll see three opportunities, three ways that you can sow into the training center. One is through our P.O. box. number. the other is through our um, website. And last but not least is through our Cash App, 1TTC, dollar sign, 1TTC. All three are available for you to sow into the training center. Currently we are believing God for our own facility. Glory to God, our own building so we can go back to the physical services. Of course, we're gonna do all the things that are needed to be done to be saved and to be within the standards and regulations that are given by the state of North Carolina. But we are believing God for our own building so we can begin to continue, begin to continue. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting way of say it, but it's true. Begin to continue what God has assigned us to do in this city listen until next time we want you to join us in our midweek services as we continue on talking about decisions and how to make godly decisions till next time we want to continue to pray and believe god for you if you have prayer requests or anything of that nature please feel free to reach out to us and we would love to get that anytime that you have a need so we can just be available to you remember jesus is lord and allow the spirit of counsel to counsel you in life and particularly in your marriage. We'll see you next time. God bless.